You're listening to Special Education Matters, a regular podcast about things that matter in special education. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and I am the proud father of an 18-year-old boy with autism. Barbara Major is an advocate and founder of the San Diego Special Education Advocacy Team and my guest today. As a mom to a child with special needs, Barbara was motivated to learn more about the special education system. After picking up a certificate as a special education advocate through the University of San Diego, Barbara decided to assist other parents with securing services for their children. Barbara and I have a wide-ranging talk today about the state of special education, approaches to working with schools, and more. Enjoy the conversation. Barbara Major, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Nice to have you here. It's the first person I've talked to from the beautiful city of San Diego. Lucky you to be living down there. We're very lucky. It's warm, and I complain about the warmth, but um, from what I hear, we're, we're, we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us first off, what sort of services do you provide? Well, we do special education advocacy um, that entails mostly uh, having clients come in and, and do uh, a free intake, and then we develop a strategy uh, that's unique to everyone else. Often it entails going to IEP or 504 meetings. Um, sometimes that means we don't go to meetings. Uh, sometimes uh, things are better if I don't go to a meeting. And because uh, sometimes we don't want to fix things so quickly. We just um, sometimes I come in and and they they want to fix it. But if it's a due process case and we're setting things up for due process or non-public school, sometimes it's better if I don't go in and I just give them some guidance. Um, that entails file reviews, uh, sometimes observations, sometimes, uh, like I said, we don't go to meetings, but mostly it's, it's attending IEP meetings and develop a strategy, developing a strategy to figure out what's going to progress their case the best. I find myself, it, it's, it's not within the contract, but a, a lot of what I find myself and all of us find ourselves doing is um, communications. Mm-hmm. Developing emails, uh, writing emails for for in their in their voice. Uh, I don't okay. quote a lot of ed, yeah. I don't quote a lot of ed code or, per se because we try and keep it from the parents' voice as much as possible. But um, f- for example, you know, someone has a child who's eloping, and we're trying to document that that's happening instead of saying, you know, my child, you know, eloped today. I'll mm-hmm. help them draft an email that says. Um, you know, oh, by the way, um, I just want to let you know, I'll be bringing in cupcakes to Susie's birthday party uh, celebration next week. Thanks mm-hmm. for letting me know that, um, that, that Johnny was, you know, eloped out of classroom. I'm so glad you were able to find him within 15 minutes. Um, let me know how many cupcakes you want. Thank you very much. So <laughs> trying to sort of, it's <laughs> trying to sort of embed uh, write emails that doesn't look so threatening and so alarming. I find myself doing a lot of that and parents tell me a lot, Oh gosh, she really sounded like me. And what's really (laughs) rewarding is, is when they kind of learn to do it themselves. So that's, that's kind of what we do a lot of. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about eloping and cupcakes at the same time before. Yeah. Yeah. A a lot of those, a lot of those things and trying to do it within uh, using their voice. When I, when we do our file review and I read through a lot of the emails, I try and, and draft emails as if it's them speaking. Uh, I try to stay away from, 
most of the time, I mean, each case is different, but a lot of the time I, I try and use their voice so that it's coming from the parent. And, and yeah, sneaking it in, talking about cupcakes or open house or, mm-hmm. um, you know, whatever it is, sort of use that process to, to embed um, things that need to be documented so that it's not, you know, so alarming. I mean, sometimes you do. Sometimes we do have to do things a little bit more formally, but to develop a habit of documenting things without being, without raising so many alarms, you know, I, I think generally helps um, for a more collaborative relationship. So, Sure. Now you're in the San Diego area. Do you, so is that the main part of California that you cover? Yes, San Diego County. Um, we all, there, there's a few of us here. We all tend to be able to cover most of it. Every once in a while, we get something from like the El Centro area or kind of over going toward Palm Springs, Brawley, and forget the name of some of the other places out there. Mm. Those are, we've tried to do those. Those are a little bit more difficult. Um, but we really feel for them because they, they don't have a lot of resources in, in terms of advocacy and, and attorneys. So we do take on clients and try and participate, do file reviews and participate via, via phone as much as we can. Okay, gotcha. So, you know, you're an advocate, as we obviously mentioned, and I always like to ask, what influenced you to become an advocate? I understand you, you know, we, we share that we both have a child with autism. I, I'm sure that played a role. Is there any other aspects that, or that played a role in your decision to do what you're doing? Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. I mean, you, we both have kids about the same age, typical and, and on mm-hmm. the spectrum. Um, and what I kind of find is a lot of us who do advocacy and, and even some of the attorneys that we work with, you know, they're influenced by having a loved one um, with special needs. And, you know, it, it kind of called to me. It was, it was, you know, I didn't go to school and it wasn't my atten- intention to, to do advocacy. Right. But, but uh, you know, I, I just found myself in a pickle um, when my son was having a lot of difficulty in, in, his, situ- in his school situation. And at the same time, my my husband was going through some, you know, job changes and wasn't sure what resources were available. We, we couldn't afford a lot. So I found myself mm-hmm. going to the University of San Diego here has a, a legal clinic, uh, a special education legal clinic. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, um, headed at the time by Professor Margaret Dalton, who's a wonderful attorney. So you can get uh, legal services through USD and their clinic from a law student under the supervision of this wonderful attorney. And so I wound up, you know, needing, needing an attorney and going through there and and working with Professor Dalton and and some of her students. She said, you know, Barb, you should go through our um, program. They have a, a special education advocacy certification, um, course, course or set of courses, I should say, Mm -hmm. uh, training. She's like, you should go through that. You'd be a good, you'd be a good advocate. And, uh, you know, I, I'm like, I, I went through it because I really wanted to be a better advocate for my child. I wasn't sure. Yeah. Advocacy yeah. The business, and that's often business, why we do it, right? Kind of selfishly in the beginning. Yeah. And then we're like, Hey, we yeah, can actually help it, others. It, wasn't, it can be expensive. And I just wanted to know more about it. I just wanted to be a better advocate for my child. But, but having gone through that process, a lot of the people that go through the certification uh, there at USD, you know, they're advocates, they're attorneys, they're special educators. You know, it's, it was a wonderful networking experience. And I met uh, an attorney who, who hired me soon after as a paralegal and an advocate. So, yeah, I, could, I 
just kind of, and then I lo- I kind of fell in love with it. It was, it was my, it was my calling. So, <laughs> like I said, it kind of, it kind of drew me in, and that's kind of what I hear from other, from other advocates too. Um, they're, they're kind of called into it, and, and some don't last. Some really mm-hmm. want to do it and do good work, but it's, but it's not for everyone. It's, it's not for everyone. So, I mean, you, in your case, you went from being an advocate or for your son, and then you became an advocate for others, and now you have a a group, you know, San Diego Educational Advocates, right, training that does this sort of work. So how did that happen? Well, um, I, you know, I had done ind- a little uh, work as an independent advocate um, kind of before working for the attorney, uh, informally and formally with, with mm-hmm. the, all the business stuff that has to happen. But when I was working for the attorney, there was another advocate there uh, working for her as well. And paralegal. Mm-hmm. And then when that attorney, she actually moved to Northern California, closer to you. And um, we found ourselves, you know, two trained advocates um, who worked well together and, and who knew each other. Uh-huh. And we were also moms. We were also moms who wanted extra time to, you know, the flexibility of spending time with our own families and serving the community as well um, and doing work. So we kind of just came up with this idea that, you know, why don't we form a, a group of uh, special education advocates as a as a business? And you know, it allows them to it allows our advocates to have that flex. We all have children with special needs. Uh-huh. Um, so, and that, you know, that's not a prerequisite. You know, we would take some another advocate that didn't, but <laughs> it is it, it's kind, kind of nice, of though. It, yeah, I mean, because as a parent, it's it, nice it, to it, talk to somebody who understands your sometimes crazy situation. You know, I'm, I'm sitting at my desk right now and there's a box of Kleenex and pictures of my kids. And yes, we talk about qualifications as an advocate and training, mm-hmm. but I think what they, mostly what they relate to is, is, you know, our stories with our kids and the struggle that my child had or, um, you know, sharing, you know, my child's, you know, about 17 and what is he going through now compared to what their child is going through now and, um, having that camaraderie, you know, where you need a, you need a few <laughs> tissues from the Kleenex box, <laughs> I, I think really helps create a connection between us as advocates and, and, and clients. It's a personal thing to retain mm-hmm. someone to help their children with special needs um, get the right kind of program and services. Uh, it's a business decision, but it's also very personal to let someone in to your family and your child's information. So it is helpful that, uh, yeah, we all have that, that type of background in order to relate to, to parents in that way. And I, I think it just, it works. It just seems to work that way. So Barbara, I want to take a little bit of a different turn. What do you, what do you think when dealing with school districts, what do you think is the best approach as far as, I guess, your style when you work with a parent as an advocate with the district? What works or is the most effective for you? You know, that, that's a really good question. It's always different. Um, you know, in, IEPs are supposed to be, you know, individualized. That's the I. Mm-hmm, sure. And really the, the, really the cases are, are, are like that, too. There's no one set way that works for everyone. It's always individualized. Um, generally speaking, statistically speaking, um, 
we tend to try nice first. We, we kind of go and fill mm-hmm. out the situation. Yes, we have to understand the law um, and what that means. But, but a lot of what we do is about people skills, reading the room, the personality of a, of a, of a district. And it's interesting that you say districts because, you know, I'm not sure what the situation is in, in like LA and, and uh-huh. San Francisco or North County area, but we have several districts here and, and school districts, separate unified school districts here in San Diego County. And working with different attorneys, they tend at a higher level to, to use different strategies um, in, in due process. So knowing the trends and how districts uh, are managing right. cases is, is helpful to know how to navigate um, IEPs at, at the school level. Um, so having working relationships with different attorneys to understand how districts at a higher level are managing mm-hmm. uh, their cases helps me understand how to, in part, how to manage a case at the school level. That being said, um, you know, sometimes I do a file review and it looks like, you know, yeah, I just have to set this up for one meeting and, and maybe, you know, hand it off to an attorney for due process. But sometimes I go in, I read the room, and I'm like, these people aren't, you know, I think these people just need a little bit of help to understand what's going on. I think <laughs> this is a good program, and I think this is workable. And then, of course, I have to set expectations with the client, and, you know, they make that decision. Um and other times it's it's tough. It's like okay, I I have to navigate depending on you know the behavior of the personalities in the room, um, and that influences how we how I help the parents do correspondences, mm-hmm. um, who speaks more, myself or the parent. How many cupcakes we, to bring? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody but you gets one, Mr. Principal. <laughs> exactly. I do have parents who bring in, I, you've probably seen this too, to an IEP meeting. Even I have one parent who just, you know, even though it's it's contentious, she always brings in treats for everybody. It always yeah, starts idea. out on a nice, <laughs> on a nice note. But, but yeah, sweets, sweets help for sure. So, I mean, what sort of challenges do you find parents and advocates as well are facing today when it comes to securing services? Do you see any trends happening? Maybe, I guess you were saying it can be very different per district, but do you see any general trends as far as the challenges that parents face? Um, I think parents are becoming generally better informed about what's available to them uh-huh. um, compared to compared to ten years ago. I think they come in, generally they come in knowing more about what services are available to them. Um, but I also think that you know in in California, you know funds are funds are an issue, and I think districts are trying to. Um, manage as best as possible and it's it's they're they're changing their strategies a little bit and how they deal some of them and how they deal with due process so Mm -hmm. uh, as an example i i you know this is probably better a convert you could do a whole podcast with an attorney trying to trying to explore this subject but Mm -hmm, sure um a lot of parents come in asking for non-public schools and and or needing a non-public school for their child which is expensive to a district yeah it's very expensive to a district, and I think that that was um, probably easier to navigate a few years ago than uh, it is now. Now I think they've changed their strategy in regards to that. Um, one or two school districts here, just their their 
much less likely to go into a resolution or mediation and and uh, agree to non-public school on the IEP. They kind of want to negotiate for, um, okay, well, we'll fund a year and hold an IEP. And that kind of mm-hmm. seems to be a newer trend that, that I'm seeing. Um, so that's kind of an expectation we have to set. It's still manageable with, you know, it, and I think that's fair, um, depending on the situation, when you compare it to what you might get in court or what you might get at hearing. And it's still okay. You just have to manage expectations and say, okay, after a year, you know, if this child still needs to be in a non-public school, you can still go get independent evaluations and figure out what the child needs. And if we need to kind of rubber stamp it for another year, we'll do that. But it just from a tactical point, I think the districts, that's a, that's a trend I kind of see that's a little bit more challenging to navigate. It's interesting you mentioned Here. the word fair. So as an advocate, when you go in, do you have the attitude of, I'm going to get every possible service I can for this child that I'm representing? Or do you have more of the advocate, I'm going to get, or the attitude, I'm going to get every possible service that's reasonable for this child? I try to I try to develop a plan to get what the child needs. And if I can get more, mm-hmm. then that's great. Okay. Um, but you also try and think, I mean, I'm always trying to think what, what's going to happen if we're at hearing. I want to develop things in a way of what's going to happen if I'm at hearing. And I think that judges are going to look at what's reasonable. So um, I don't want to shortchange a, a, a client or a child in, in any way, mm-hmm. but I do try and, you know, judges, you know, OH judges think a little bit differently. And I, I try and manage those expectations with, um, with clients. And when I do hand them off to an attorney, hopefully they have a little, the client has a little bit of a knowledge of that for, so that the attorney can set those type of expectations further. Well, how common is that? Do you feel like you can, handing it off to an attorney that is, do you feel like you can resolve it or work it out on your own most of the time? I would say probably about Half of half of my cases okay. wind up. And do you think that and, and trend has gone down or up over time? No, I think it's about the same. Okay. I kind of think right. I kind of think districts are. I mean, I have a lot of parents who are like, "Oh, you know, I I wanna I wanna pursue this matter so that I can make a change for children coming forward um, who come after my child." And and that's a wonderful notion, but mm-hmm. I, I you know. 10, 12 years later, I'm still getting the same type of calls regarding the same <laughs> districts and the same schools. So I don't know that all the due process has, has changed their behavior very much. I, I, think it's, I, I think they've changed their strategy <laughs> um, from time to time, but I don't think that they've learned a lot. That being said, I only get calls, the bad calls. So sure. there may be very good things going on there, too. <laughs> So you mentioned 10 to 12 years of experience. Oh, actually, I'm going to hold on to a second here while we guys finished cutting. Okay, there we go. <laughs> you mentioned uh, 10 to 12 years of experience. At this point, is it like somebody calls you up and you know exactly what to do because you've seen the situation so much? Or is it still super individualized and you, you know, sure you draw on your own experiences, but it, not every case is the same? It's still very individualized. Sometimes I have a sense that, oh, I know what direction this is going in, and sometimes that's correct. But sometimes it surprises me, you know. Um, often I kind of know what what to expect in an IEP meeting, mm-hmm. but it, you just never know. You, you know, you, 
you get curveballs and, and that's okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's why we're here. You know, ex, you know, I tell them expect the unexpected and, and it's okay. We'll handle it. We'll handle it. There's, there's a recourse for, for everything. There's, there's a way to, to navigate this process, you know, and, and sometimes I'm, uh, we're pleasantly surprised. Sometimes I walk in and just by my presence are like, okay, <laughs> Barbara's here. Are serious <laughs> now. We're going to, we're going to do, we're, we're, it's all good. <laughs> we're going to do what we got to do. <laughs> Um, sometimes it's as easy as that. And, uh, sometimes it's, it's of course more difficult and it's, uh, it's a little more time consuming to, to build a case to get what's right for the child. Well, Barbara, we're heading towards the end of our time here. Would you mind giving us a way to reach out to you if people want to contact you? Uh, we're in San Diego. Uh, you can reach us at our website, um, we're the San Diego Special Education Advocate Team, and you can email me at Barbara at sdseat.com for San Diego Special Education Advocate Team. Um, you can see our website, sdseat.com, and find out more about us. Um, I'm Barbara. I'm our lead advocate, so all intakes come through me first before I take it or you know, work with another advocate to, to take the case. And they can uh, reach me by phone also at uh, 619-872-2511. Barbara, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to another edition of Special Education Matters. For more information, including show notes, head to our website, csnlg.com slash listen. And if you like what you hear, please uh, consider giving us a review on iTunes. Those reviews bring us lots of happiness. I'm your host, Michael Bull, and we will talk again soon.